Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now On today's show, we're talking to Joey Jojo Jr. of Open Source Distilling. It's a persona of sorts, considering he does distilling on the internet, doesn't really want his name out there. That being said, he does do some pretty amazing open source projects, such as redesigning the board on the ice spindle and many others. So we're going to talk to him about all of them today on Homebrewing DIY. Building recipes and taking good notes are two of the key fundamentals of making great beer. This is one of the first things that you learn when becoming a new brewer. I started taking notes on a sheet from my extract kit and then quickly moved to brewing software. I've tried many different types of brewing software and then I found Brewfather. This is the one piece of software that you need for recipes and very detailed brew day notes, as well as fermentation notes. Brewfather also integrates with some of the topics that we discuss on the show, like the till hydrometer, the ice spindle, and ferment track. You need no other piece of software than Brewfather. One of the best parts of Brewfather is that you can try it for free. All you need to do is head to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the Brewfather banner to sign up for free today. Once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer, and sign up for Brewfather today. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the cruising ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast, and that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruisin. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com.
And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing, gadgets, contraptions, and parts. This show covers it all. On today's show, we're talking with Joey Jojo Jr. of Open Source Distilling about his redesigned board for the Eichbindle and many other projects that he has trying to build his new distillery from all open source tools. A very, very cool project. But first, I'd like to thank our patrons over at Patreon. If you'd like to support the show monthly, just head over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. Any support that you give is going to help keep this show coming to you week after week. And I'd like to thank our two newest patrons, Captain Fucher, and I may be saying that wrong, all the way from Germany. And we also have Marcus as a new $1 patron level. I want to thank all everyone who is giving us support, including our newest patrons. And remember, we have a special going on over at patreon.com. And if you give it the $1 level today until we only have five spots left, you're going to get a special where you get a sticker and access to the ad-free RSS feed. Once we hit 20 patrons, that deal's going away and we only have five people left. So hop on it now. Head over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. For those of you that have recently just given at the $5 level, I want to thank you as well. Just note that right now I am waiting in transit for a a thank you gift coming from our sponsor, Scrubber Duckies. They are currently on their way, and I'm very, very excited to see what they send. But you're going to get a pretty cool gift as well. So once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. Another way you can support the show is to head over to coffee.com, that's ko-fi.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. And if you want to just give a one-time contribution, you can buy me a cup of coffee. It's a new service out there and we're going to give it a try. So let me know what you think and hopefully we'll see some contributions there come through as well. Another way to support the show is by writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to us right now from the Apple app, just open the app swipe down to the bottom there and you can write us a review. Those reviews help others find the show. Or you can head over to podchaser.com if you're not using Apple and you can write us a review there as well. Either way, your reviews are heard and they help us improve the show. The last way that you can support the show is to head over to our website and use the sponsor links on our show. For example, we have a brand new sponsor starting this week. We have The Brew Bag. That's brewinabag.com. They are an amazing product. I've been using this bag for my Brew in a Bag setup since 2016, and I can't be more excited to have them as a sponsor. Seriously, I've had this bag since 2016, I've been using it for every batch of beer that I've brewed, and it's still going strong. You can get hundreds of batches out of a single bag. And not only that, the quality is there. It has these really great handles for lifting the bag out of the wart, and it's, it's a really fine mesh. So you're not getting a bunch of like particulate into your final boil. All I have to say is that when it comes to using this bag, I can't advocate for it enough. It's a really, really great quality product and something that if you brew in a bag and you're using a $10 or $12 bag that you bought from Amazon or something like that, you want to really switch to the brew bag. This thing is definitely something you have to check out. They have sizes all the way from a kegel to 
the coolers, if you mash in a cooler, down to if you need one for like a mash and boil. They can do custom sizes. They can do hundreds of pounds of grain in a brew bag. They even have breweries that are using these bags. They are really great quality. So that's brewinabag.com. Or even better, just head over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and use the sponsor banner and let them know that we sent you. One last announcement. I'd like to talk about our May Brewers Roundtable. This is a monthly event that we do. It's really free for any of our listeners to join. And the idea is that we're going to get one of our former guests or somebody who's big in the homebrewing world to join our listeners to really sit down and do a short discussion and a Q&A with all of our listeners. It's really meant to be a great learning experience and something to help you learn from some of the best people that we can find out in the world. This month, we're going to have Rob DeSaul. He is the author of A Natural History of Beer. He's a PhD from Yale, and he's also the curator of the American History Museum in New York City. He traveled the world to write this book about beer, and it was a great experience. And if you go back and listen to episode 21 of the podcast, you can have a chance to really dive into what we discussed. He's going to give us an hour of his time to sit down and talk to all of our listeners. That's going to be on May 28th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm in Mountain Time, so that'll be 5.30 p.m. That's on a Thursday. And you can just sign up on the website. If you head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and go under the events in the menu, you'll see a link and a sign-up form, and we'll get you invited to the roundtable. I'm super excited about it. I hope that you want to join us. So once again, homebrewingdiy.beer and click on the events page. Now to talk a bit about my brewing adventures. I last week had a pretty cool day. I, I knocked out a midweek batch. I used my neighbor's mash and boil system it was pretty cool to just hop out there go electric get rid of the propane burner i i swear i'm gonna go electric here soon but it was it was fun and funny i used my new fermentation chamber i just threw an ink bird on it got the tilt hydrometer in there i actually set up a tilt pie to get the information into Brewfather, and it was really easy just went and imaged the the sd card for my raspberry pie it immediately connected to the tilt and started getting data. And then I copied the link from Brewfather, pasted it in there, and it was up and running. And I was logging data from my tilt hydrometer right in Brewfather. Really easy. I'm surprised at actually how easy that was. But that being said, I was testing out a small space heater for the heater in my new fermentation chamber. And funny, I use a plastic fermenter and it got a little too hot and uh, kind of disfigured my fermenter a bit. Nothing too crazy like with my last fermenter where I melted a huge hole through my refrigerator and basically started oozing caustic chemicals and had to toss a batch of beer. But once again, this is me talking about the mistakes that I make when I'm brewing. I feel like it's just kind of a role I've been going on lately. That being said, the beer actually is turning out to be fine. I also, on Sunday, knocked out a quick batch of mead. Pretty excited about this. Really simple recipe. I'm going with a straight mead, but I'm also going really a low ABV mead. I just I got myself a 1040 wort using three pounds of honey with two and a half gallons of water, and then I just got them mixed up, added a little yeast nutrient, and got it going. It, it's actually just starting to really get take off on the fermentation today, but because it's 
using honey, it's going to dry out. It doesn't stop at that like uh, 1.10 when you're looking at 1.010 when you're looking at a standard gravity measurement for beer. It's, it gets all the way down there like wine. So you'll get like 0.99 or 0.98. And so ends up at around being 8 to 8.5% alcohol when all is said and done. But the cool thing about doing a low ADD mead is it's got a really light body. And so to to kind of add more body to it, what I do is I throw it in a keg and I actually carbonate it and have it like champagne. It's a really good time. I really like these light sparkling meads that I've made before. Hopefully this one turns out as well. Well, let's jump into today's show. We're going to talk today to Joey, Jojo Jr., I'd like to welcome Joey Jojo Jr. from the YouTube channel Open Source Distilling. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Um, here to talk about some of my open source projects like the iSchmindel, the uh, automated reflux still, and some of the other ideas I kind of have in, in the pipeline. Yeah, I, I am also a huge fan of open source projects out there. I, I will say that I am right now recording this on a Mac, but the first about 10 episodes of this podcast were actually recorded on a 100% open source software down to the operating system. And so I'm a big advocate for open source projects. I've used them in my brewing for a long time. And I'm actually super excited to have you on the show just because some of the projects that you're working on are so cool and so out of the box. And so... Let, let's just start, you know, how did you get into open source software and open source projects in general? Yeah, it, it kind of started with my um, YouTube channel. And, uh, I, I, you know, my channel's really kind of like a fresh perspective on, on distilling. So distilling kind of has its roots really based in, in these age-old traditions. I, I think it's Mount Gay Rum, uh, that distillery is like over 300 years old and they still carry on some of those traditions uh, to this day. I've actually so, been to that distillery. So really? Oh, yep. No Ra way. Randomly. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of cool that those traditions are carried on and you can have like a rum, for example, from 300 years ago and kind of be transported back in time and, you know, enjoy it how, how it was all that, that long time ago. But um, it, it really started when I was doing these, uh, these sugar wash uh, tests with uh, pH buffers and stuff. So when, when I make beer, I never really had to think about pH very much. But sugar washes, I mean, if you don't put something in there to control the pH, it crashes and you'll get a stuck fermentation. So I was doing these uh, experiments and I created a, it was like a sodium citrate pH buffer, which I've never seen anyone do before. And then I was using oyster shells and, and baking soda and, and like a control batch as well. But taking those, you know, hydrometer readings every couple days, it, it wastes a lot of product and it's a big hassle. And someone in the comments on, on YouTube actually brought the tilt and the eye spindle to my attention. And that kind of piqued my interest and uh, led me down that road to, you know, actually go and, 
and buy the stuff to to make an eye spindle. And yeah, yeah, so, I was going to say. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I want to interrupt you there because uh, there there's a lot to unpack. And the first place I I want to unpack is when when speaking about your pH buffer with a sugar wash. I don't distill, so I, you got to kind of educate me. What 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 is it that you're trying to manage for in the pH? What's the range? Why would it crash? <clears throat> yeah, so when, when I brewed beer, this this was I'm an all grain beer brewer, so pH was really never much of a concern. You know, I'd hop on like Beersmith and I'd do up my recipe, it'd give me the pitch rates, lots of you know pitch rate calculators on online. And, uh, you know, brewing beer, it just kind of always worked. And I thought it would just kind of work the same way with, with sugar wash, wash. So, you know, making like a sh- 8 or 9% sugar wine. But because it's just, you know, granulated sugar, a bunch of empty calories, you add yeast to that and, you know, you have to add yeast nutrient. There's no nutrient in sugar. And... If you just add that with no pH buffer, the, the pH like immediately crashes after a few days. And once you hit a pH of around three, uh, you get a stuck fermentation. So, <clears throat> so it was kind of a, a surprise and it took a little bit to kind of figure out that it was the pH that, that was doing it. And that led me down the road of, you know, it brought me kind of back to... Uh, college chemistry class and how would we control the pH in, in that situation and it was you, really the pH buffers is what you would make so I went to my beer closet and I just happened to have a whole bunch of like a bag of citric acid from months ago I forgot I even had it and then um, hopped online found, found out that it's pretty common for people to, to make uh, a sodium citrate buffer out of citric acid and sodium hydroxide. So I ended up doing that, and um, it actually outperformed the other methods of uh, oyster shells, and baking soda actually turned out to be a bad choice. It, it somewhat inhibited uh, yeast performance initially, actually. So, you know... Doing these experiments, I, I was looking for an easier way to collect the data because it is quite labor intensive, and you know, over the course of a matter of weeks, taking these these readings every couple of days, 150 mils, you know, each time you check the the gravity, it's it's cumbersome, a waste product, and you know, it has to kind of be a better way. And that's where the tilt hydrometer or the eye spindle step in because you can basically get a reading in real time, right? That's right. And and before we move on, um, pH for, for sugar washes, uh, it also has an effect on, on the flavor. So if you want a more flavorful, flavorful spirit, they say you should uh, ha- try and ferment around a pH of uh, four or five. And if you want a more neutral spirit, uh, shoot around five or six. So it is, you know, I think distillers uh, sometimes have this concept of, oh, it doesn't matter. We're going to distill it anyways. And 
kind of fix it up later. Um, so I'm trying to take that kind of beer beer brewer approach to it, where we really start at best practices from the very beginning steps and kind of follow that all the way through. Yeah, I think that's always a good approach. And, and you see that a lot where, especially in craft distilling, when when you see in the craft distiller market, they're not just taking anything. They're using actually malted barley to make uh, whiskeys out of, right? And they're using higher quality ingredients, even though, yes, you're distilling it at the end. It, the idea is that if you have good practices all the way through, you're going to end up with a better product in the end, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. For, so from there, uh, someone kind of uh, brought that to my attention, the eye spindle, and I ordered my first circuit boards and, and threw them together. And for I, I'm sure yourself and many of your your audience, uh, they already know what it, what an eye spindle is. It's uh, an electronic hydrometer, right? That uploads fermentation statistics. And um, there's as well a, as temperature, a, yeah, as well, as, well temperature. as temperature. And um, there's a a certain um, kind of path you have to take to to calibrate it. So there's uh, one of the calibrations is uh, 25 degrees in pure water. And when I built my first uh, ice spindle, uh, it was 16 degrees, and it wasn't. They say you can do anywhere between 20 and 30 in pure water. And that's, that's probably okay. But when I built mine, it was 16 and there wasn't a good way for me to, to adjust that, to get to where it needed to be, you know, in that 20 to 30 degree range. And I tried to add some weights to it and the amount of weight I had to add actually sank the eye spindle. And I was just kind of thinking to myself, there must be a better way. So going back to the open source software and everything, uh, never designed a, a circuit board or anything like that in my entire life, but I uh, hopped on YouTube and there were these uh, videos by DigiKey on how to use KeyCAD, which is uh, open source CAD software for building circuit boards. And I just watched like those eight videos and I think I ordered my first I spindle circuit boards in, in August. And that's the ones, you know, that I got that didn't quite float right. And then between that time um, and learning how to use KeyCAD and making my first circuit board, I, I had my first prototypes of my own board in my hand by like December. And I thought that just kind of blew my mind that all this software and all these resources we're just at our fingertips for free. And, you know, I'm not a super smart guy or whatever, right? If I can figure it out, uh, any anybody can figure it out. But uh, it's just amazing that all this technology exists and it's all just available to us, uh, you know, free, free, free to use. Yeah, it, the big thing around open source is really the open source community, right? We're we're coming together to solve a problem. We're all doing it for no money, right? Things like adding to software projects. It's almost like there's a certain part of computing and a and a certain part of these projects that have become 
almost kind of hippie-ish, right? It's it's almost like it, we're we're kind of in a place, at least in the computer world, where there's an entire community built like that. And don't get me wrong, I work in tech. It is all about money for the side that I'm on. But when it comes to the non-proprietary side, they're very anti-money, and it's kind of a it's kind of a cool community built around that. Yeah, it's a a br- of you know a breath of fresh air, right? That that this exists, that you know Linux exists, and all these fantastic open source softwares. It, yeah, and, and so when you got your your new boards back that you had designed, what what did you change? Yeah, so there was um, a number of things that that I wanted to I- improve, and and the first one was was that uh, calibration and pure water, right? So um, how I went about uh, handling that um, was was really two mechanisms. So the lithium ion battery is the heaviest part of the eye spindle, and um, the 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 first build, when, when I built it using someone else's circuit board, uh, they used this uh, the kind of like the industry standard Keystone battery holder. And those things, um, they're kind of expensive for what they are. I mean, there's a chunk of plastic with a couple metal contacts. So I wanted to build something with a movable uh, battery that, you know, you could use that essentially as a counterweight to balance it in water. And then I also wanted to make it so you could buy cheap Chinese knockoff battery holders and and use those as well. So um, that's exactly what I did. I went with a surface-mounted battery holder, and they usually soldered to a pad. So uh, what I did was I elongated that pad. So you could install that battery uh, anywhere along that pad. And I put a little ruler there, so there's basically battery positions that you can kind of use to, to dial in. Uh, aside from that, there was, um, there was no place to add weights on the ori- original circuit board that, that somebody else built. So I put a dedicated spot at the bottom. Uh, it's perforated. Um, it's uh, designed so you can affix the weights however you want, so you can take some you know, epoxy and glue it in. I, I use double-sided tape, like Gorilla Tape. Um, you grab a needle and thread and sew them in if uh, if you were so inclined. What 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 kind of weights are you talking about? Like small lead weights? What, what are you? What are? You, what are they? Yeah. So the the weights I use, um, they're up on my. Uh, I'm releasing a video soon about the calibration. I've already filmed it. I'm just editing it up. But they're um, just small nuts uh, from from Home Depot, so they're really kind of thin, and they weigh somewhere just around three grams, and that's enough to um, decrease the t- the tilt in water by about some somewhere around fifteen degrees, and then the ability to add weights along with the the movable battery uh, that should be enough to accommodate. You know, a battery of of any weight, and the the problem I think people have sometimes is they're ordering all these materials from all these different vendors from all around the world, and um, when you buy an electric component, you never know how much it's going to weigh, right? So when you order a battery online, they don't really 
list the weight or if you buy a, a gyroscope online, uh, often the weight's just not going to be listed. So the original circuit board um, that somebody else designed, that, that works for a whole lot of people, but it didn't work for me. And I found posts of other people online where they had the exact same issue. And I actually reached out to the circuit board designer and we had like back and forth and sent pictures back and forth. And, you know, we weighed our batteries and stuff, but we couldn't figure out what, what the difference was. So, um, you know, I thought that that needed to, to be improved. And so that's, that's the initial thing that really made me, you know, got me motivated to create that circuit board. Is that circuit board something I could buy on PCBs IO or something like that? Yeah, it's available. Um, so if you head over to my website, uh, opensourcedistilling.com forward slash iSpindle, there's a, a main landing page and uh, it's got, uh, you know, about the board design. It's got schematics on the iSpindle. Um, it's got a shopping list of all the components on Amazon and eBay. Uh, and it's got a link to uh, buy that circuit board off PCB way. So some some of the other things I've I've done just to kind of tell you a little bit more about the circuit board was um, I wanted it to really fit snugly inside the the tube the petling, and um, my circuit board's unique in the way that uh, in the way that it's designed not to fit in the petling uh, out of the box, and it has three little tabs that you file down to get like an absolute uh, snug fit because um, the eye spindle, it, it has a gyroscope and after you calibrate everything, you don't want anything moving on the inside. So that, that's another thing I wanted to, to do or a, another potential issue that, that I saw. And then um, there is a 2.1 version coming out actually I'm looking at the the prototypes. I I have them, and um, just gonna do a, a video release on on the 2.1 version of of the Jeffrey. It's called uh, printed circuit board, and um, the change in that uh, was for the lithium ion battery charger component. There's a couple solder points, and they were just really awkward to to solder. And um, what I ended up doing was putting the the holes in the circuit board I just space them out and line them up with the component in such a way that uh, the circuit board actually just holds those pins in place for you now with with friction so you know I'm really I've, I've assembled about 10 of these things and um, you know each time I do it I learn a little bit more and uh, really wanted to make the eye spindle as cheap as possible and also just as easy to assemble as, as possible as well. Yeah, I, I'll admit, and I, I'm sure you haven't listened to every episode of my podcast, and I hope you have, but I doubt you have. Uh, and and there's an entire set of episodes where I've talked about my struggles with getting my iSpindle up and running, which has still not happened yet because I only had one circuit board and I'm currently still waiting for more to arrive, right? And so... and and some of the struggles you're talking about are exact things I had problems with. Uh, and it's not just the standard things. Like some people struggle to get it to flash. Some people struggle to uh, 
get it to, uh, you, like you said, calibrate correctly. And so the idea is that I think I've had every single one of those problems through my, my process. And so, you know, I've attempted, still haven't got one running. That is going to change this year. I will get one running. But the idea is that, you know, yes, it is something where if we could get it to be a solution where out of the box, you can buy whatever components are going to work for it and it just works. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot more approachable for the average person that wants to just make one. Right. Yeah. And, um, another thing I've, I've been working with, um, two, two guys out in, in Montreal independently reached out to me and they just happen to be close to, to one another. One guy's from the electronics industry and, uh, He's been part of like a ham radio kit for for people that like ham radios, and um, he he wanted to put a kit together and uh, and and distribute it. So I'm, I'm trying to uh, to do that with him. And one of the things we we ran into is the the tubings, the petlings, uh, they're European uh, blanks for like soda bottles, and. Um, there's, as far as I know, there's just one person on eBay selling this stuff, and you know, if he gets hit by a bus or whatever, <laughs> the the world supply will will end. But um, we're we're trying to essentially create like a North American version uh, that would fit in a North American petling, and and make it more accessible, lower that barrier of entry uh, to to North America as well. Yeah. Uh- for example, I have tubes on their way, and they take—they're going to take months to get here. That you know, for example, the pandemic isn't helping, but even then, it still takes a while to get those parts, right? Yeah, yeah they're expensive. You got to buy five of them, um, and again, um, with with a kit, um, you you know, because you've ordered parts online. When you buy switches, you buy like a pack of twenty. And yep. when you buy resistors, it you come in a pack of ten, and you you have to buy a pack of five of the petlings, and you know the story goes on and on. So, being able to to order just just enough product to build one or two of these things, uh, I think will help with that as well. I agree. It's not I it, in my brewery. I would need two tops. I have two fermenters. Why why would I need five? Right. Yeah, and I don't know. You don't want to have to pool money together with your buddies and you know all that kind of stuff so but. exactly what, what other kind of open source projects are you working on right now yeah so the the entire channel uh kind of went on a little bit of a, a tangent with the the eye spindle but the the channel was created uh with uh, an open source project in mind about building a fully robotic reflux still which is a vodka still so just like a pure making pure ethanol, pure alcohol, um, on running on open source technology, which would be, you know, typically Arduinos and, and Raspberry Pis. So that is the ultimate goal of, of the YouTube channel and the website really. And, um, I've, I've think I've just about pooled enough resources together to, to, to start putting all that together. Uh, shortly so um you know this is it's going to be about uh putting temperature probes and uh having um computer controlled uh heating elements uh it's going to be about um 
having uh, stepper motors, motors uh, control needle valves. Um, if if uh, you're if you're familiar with uh, the I still or the G still online, those are commercial stills um, that are fully automated as well. So that that's really the the ultimate direction of of the website and and the YouTube channel as well. So what kind of software are you thinking you're going to use for that? Like, for example, I know Craft Beer Pie would be a software people use for automating breweries for very similar things. Obviously, distilling is a much different process. Is there a piece of software out there that's made to do a reflux still? Uh, not that I know of. I mean, there's um, uh, I've written some software already. Um, I'll tell you about that in a, a minute. But my uh, little fermenter project, but um, but you know, fundamentally running a still is uh, pretty. Um, you're basically babysitting it a lot. Um, it's sort of a slow process, and it's it's looking at temperatures and and twisting knobs based on that, and you know tasting and stuff along the way as well. But uh, fundamentally, it's not a very difficult process i suppose it's um uh you know patience and and waiting i suppose is is what i'd say so we're going to develop our own software uh proprietary software to to run that open source software okay and then as far as the it, so you're going to develop a piece of software that will actually interface using these open source materials such as like Arduinos and Raspberry Pis to actually operate this still, and and you're going to use things like relay switches and those stepper motors to actually do the automation, right? Yeah, that's right. And and I mean, it, talking about open source uh, technology, just um, you know, the idea is to have Arduinos really doing some of the grunt work around taking temperatures and um, having the Raspberry Pi. Uh, really write that information into a, a MySQL database type thing. And then um, the, the, the software uh, to like take the temperatures, for example, you know, you go on GitHub and there's all these people that have written these, these libraries and whatnot and done all the hard work already for, for everyone. So it's almost like, um, you know, a lot of these pieces are already there and just need to kind of be put together and, and unified into a single project. So that's, um, that's what I'll slowly and hopefully with, with the help of the community after I get the project rolling and people get excited about it, um, hopefully people will want to come and, and help me with that and, and write little bits of the software, uh, you know, take ownership of little bits of it and, and, uh, and help out. And and there have been people that have already reached out and and asked to uh, to be part of it. So um, once I get the still together a little bit more, um, we'll we'll be hopefully collaborating with the the community on that. That sounds like a really cool project. And as that comes together, we'll we'll definitely make sure we have you back onto the show because i think that as that comes together it's going to be a pretty epic project in my mind yeah and um i just i feel like with the craft beer revolution uh, years ago 
and and the popularity of of home brewing craft beer um i feel like that sort of thing is is going to happen with with home distilling i i think it's just a little bit you know kind of behind right and there's i agree these this the stuff we're talking about that that i'm talking about with my my still i'm gonna, i'm building that that stuff already exists in in the homebrew world, right? There's these open source solutions to beer brewing automation and fermentation and all that stuff. So, um, really, I want to kind of uh, take that leadership role in in the home distilling space. You know, I come from a tech background my, in my day job, and really kind of guide home distilling in in that same direction. Yeah, I and and you said that you wrote some software around a fermenter. Why, why don't we talk about what that project looked like? Yeah, I haven't really released the code. I did a, a quick video about it. But um, I, I live uh, in an apartment in a major city. So um, I don't have a, a ton of room. I don't have a garage. I have a, I have a closet. And I don't have room for a, a secondary fermentation fridge. Like, um, before we moved, I had a really old ratty uh, chest freezer that sat out on the patio and my girlfriend hated it. And um, I have one of those. My wife hates it. (laughs) I wish, I wish I still had something like that. But um, so what I came up with is I have this giant chest freezer in, in a closet and um, it's got, it's like a 10 tap keyser. So there's lots of room for kegs, but there's just not room for another fridge. So what I came up with was um, using Raspberry Pi to take the temperature of uh, fermentation, like a five or six gallon uh, bucket. And then um, I came across a a stainless steel coil at a local homebrew shop. It was like on the top shelf in the back. And I think they wanted like 20 bucks for it. It was all dusty and stuff and forgotten about. So I, I took that home and ran some some beer lines into a keg. I bought a USB powered uh, pump. It was like a eight dollar, very crappy pump off Amazon, and um, hooked that directly into the USB ports of the Raspberry Pi. And then I found some software online, and it's um, what the software does is it tricks the Raspberry Pi into thinking the the voltage is too high on the USB ports. And as a safety mechanism, uh, it it shuts down power going to the USB ports. So that running that bit of code, you can actually uh, control the power going to the the USB ports. And because the pump is plugged into it, uh, you can control the power to the, the pump. So the idea is taking cold water kind of like a glycol system cold water from my my keyser you know it's sitting around like three and a half degrees celsius and then taking the temperature in the fermenter and when it gets too warm uh circulating some of that cold water through a stainless steel coil that that sits inside the fermenter so you know all that code was uh taken from online you know open source uh shared code taking that and then uh i wrote my own code to create a log file that log file feeds uh, csv 
And then um, I have like a dashboard in Excel that just pulls data and, and graphs it uh, onto an Excel uh, Excel graph. And then uh, recently, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago, I had kind of worked through some problems with um, uh, electric spikes in my my uh, uh, home, you know, power grid or whatever you want to call it. So. Um, I started getting a couple errors and stuff, and uh, I wrote some functionality. So I found a, a way to, you know, you can send an email, right, with, with uh, a Raspberry Pi, obviously. And I uh, found out you can send an email to your cell phone pr provider uh, in such a way you can email your phone, and it will turn that uh, email message into a text message. And um, so I wrote some error handling to essentially give me a text message if uh, the fermenter turns off and, and stops working for whatever reason. So that was all kind of just, it was really a way for me to get my fingers into some Python coding and kind of get myself ready for, uh, for writing the actual code for, for the reflux still. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny is a lot of this is all done in Python, right? And it's kind of funny that, uh, that, well, really what it is is that when you go out and you look on things like GitHub, there are pretty much libraries already written for a lot of this stuff. And it's kind of just bringing all those together, like to just work on one function and you can kind of get there, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, you know, I I have the DS um, uh, the temperature probe, and I, I went on GitHub, grabbed the library, and it makes it just so simple. You just feed the serial number in, and and you can grab the the temperature very easily, right? With without having to know anything of the inner workings. So it really exactly. really does make it make it super easy. Yeah, I, um, one of my first projects I ever did back in the day, back in 2014, was an Arduino project where I went and made temperature humidity sensors for my house and uh, put them all into a spreadsheet that en ended up feeding into a dashboard. And it was all using open source libraries. And it was a project I did in a couple of days and was really fun. And my wife thought I was crazy. But the idea is that it, it wasn't hard to do. It just takes a little bit of understanding how to navigate, right? Yeah, yeah, and you can kind of piece it together. And there's so many online forums, and um, people have this uh, just built in. They just want to help you sometimes, right? If you ask yep. a question on, you know, um, on any of the online forums, people will just donate their time to kind of get you through and get you over those hurdles. Um, another project. Uh, that that I'll be working on eventually. I just ordered some some lasers for it, but it's um, a, a triple beam balance kind of that you'd see in a high school science class from the '90s, and it's got like a plate on it. But um, it, it's going to be a, a scale that weighs a jar that's filling up with alcohol from the still, and whenever it gets full, it will tip the scale. And that will cut a, a laser beam to a, um, a light sensor. And there's going to be a little Arduino that will um, send you a text message letting you know that the, the jar is full and that you got to go get up and, and change it over as well. 
So that's something I'll be working on. You know, little oh, things man. like that. Tinkering. You're going to be dis- I, you're going to be distilling from your couch. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, babysit the still. I'm not saying you you can have it fully automated. You got to keep an eye on this stuff. I mean, it's full of yeah solvent and explosive gas. But you know, it's nice having an electronic buddy that's that's a second set of eyes on things, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and what are there? Uh, I know that you've got a website, you've got a YouTube channel. What other kind of forums do you hang out on? Yeah, I, I hit up the the Firewater subreddit. Um, people are are very knowledgeable. A lot of old school distillers there that that share all their experience and knowledge. Um, aside from that, you know, I post a little bit on on Instagram here and there, but. I'm not much of a, a social media guy. I mean, my uh, personal Facebook, I probably log in once a month or something. But uh, on, on Facebook, I'll, I'll log in and, and share my videos there as well. I, I'm i glad you logged in. That's how you got on the podcast. But it, I, I will admit that I sent you a message and it did take a while. Yeah, I'm still trying to fi- I keep trying to uh, figure out why I'm not getting these email notifications. So. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a tech guy and I can't figure it out. It's kind of funny. I, you know what? I'm a tech guy and I can't figure out Facebook's notifications either. I think they make them complex on purpose so that they can just serve them up to you how they want to. But that's a, yeah. that's my own theory. <laughs> I don't, I just don't trust Facebook with anything. <laughs> no, no, don't trust Facebook. That's a, that's a mistake. That is a mistake. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, what, what's, uh, so what are the, the, what's the project you're probably the most focused on right now? Right now. So right now, uh, it's all I spindle. Um, I really want to finish off all those instructional videos from, from beginning to end. Um, like, like I said, um, there's, a, a couple assembly videos with different circuit boards, including my, my circuit board, the Jeffrey, there's um, a video on how to load the firmware. There's a video about uh, offset calibration. Uh, coming up, there's going to be that video on balancing in 25 degrees water, in pure water. Um, there's going to be a video on calibrating the battery voltage to the readout on the eye spindle. And then there's going to be the full-on uh, fermentation uh, video where we uh, do the calibration in a... a a real fermenting uh, situation, right? So I'm going to take my sugar wash, take readings, and we'll go through and, and get the calibration formula. formula. Uh, another video will be hooking it up to UbiDots, uh, which is a service that collects and graphs the data. Uh, we'll be looking at the TCP IP uh, iSpindle server that runs on Raspberry Pi. That's like an in-house um, server that uh, use a, a product called Grafana to, to graph from that, uh, my SQL database. So, um, and then, you know, some comparisons, like I just want to take, after I get everything calibrated up, I just want to throw, you know, five eye spindles in a, the same bucket and just see how well they tie into together. And so, you know, that uh, that's kind of my focus right now uh as i kind of get every all my ducks in a line for the the reflux still what what would you say is your goal to have the reflux still out if you said hey 
on this date, I want to be done with this project. How, how, how long do you think you have? Oh, man. Well, depends how many uh, of your viewers come and uh, come give me a hand. So <laughs> it, it's, it's going to be, um, I have a lot of the hardware already. I mean, I have the, the solid state relays and the hardware to control the, the electric elements. Um, I've, I've got, you know, a big pile of uh, a bunch of Arduinos and Raspberry Pis. And I mean, uh, it's really going out and, and I got to build the, the, uh, the column and, and figure out a, a few of the metrics as well. Um, so I'll just take a step back. Like I, I have a two inch, uh, reflux column right now and the, the, Next still I'm I'm building is, is gonna be a three inch column. And um it doesn't sound like a big difference going from a two inch to a three inch column, but how the math works out, the cross sectional area is actually twice as big, so it's twice the, the still. But um I'm gonna kind of chop up and and do the first round of testing on my on my two inch still, make all the mistakes on that still, and then uh, once we figure everything out, make all the mistakes, we're going to build the the massive uh, three inch column that is is it's a still design I've never seen before. It's meant for low ceilings, like distilling in an apartment setting, and uh, and and build out that fully automated still at that time. So, well, we're going to start by using some Arduinos, putting a bunch of temperature probes everywhere. And testing out some different packings inside the the the, the reflux column. So um, when you when you have a reflux column, there's there's a, a surface uh, there's packing that you put on the inside. And some people use like lava rocks. I use this stuff from Russia. It's called SPP, spiral prismatic packing, and it's like a bunch of little uh, almost like springs. But there's uh, big debates in the uh, home distilling space about what packing's the best. And I've seen like a video on YouTube of a guy that put like pasta in there. Uh, people use like scrubby pads and stuff. So, uh, you know, I kind of want to figure some of that stuff out um, using all the, the metrics from all those temperature probes and, and data logging before making that final jump to the, the, big, the bigger three inch column. That's awesome. And and let's let's uh jump into if I wanted to engage with you on your projects, maybe do some helping out or some learning, where would I find you? Yeah, so you'd just come over to opensourcedistilling.com and just hit me up on that that contact page, send me an email. All my social media stuff is on there, but Email is, is always the best way to, to make direct contact with me. Excellent. And as far as uh, what we'll do as well for l- those listening, if you head to the show notes, you will find a link to uh, Joey Jojo Jr.'s website, opensourcedistilling.com. And you could go over there and learn some more. W- what's the name of your YouTube channel as well? Yeah, it's Open Source uh, Distilling on, on YouTube as well. Excellent. Well, Joe, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day and your busy night to come and talk to me and be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And 
I'm excited to see what your new still is going to look like. It's going to be quite the project. Yeah, thanks for having me on and look forward to coming back. I'd like to thank Joey Jojo Jr. for taking the time to come on this week's show. He's a wealth of information and he's working on some pretty cool projects. Just head over to opensourcedistilling.com if you want to find out more information about his ice spindle projects and his open source still. Also, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for the handle at homebrewingdiy. And that's it for this week. And we'll see you next week on homebrewing. DIY.